Welcome to Brands in Action, the podcast that asks the questions every brand should be asking. Today, we welcome David Best, the president and CEO of Newman's Own Inc., the food company founded by Paul Newman in 1982. Dave joined Newman's Own in 2011 as vice president of marketing. He was promoted to president and chief operating officer in 2015 and assumed his new role as CEO in January of 2021. Dave brings deep experience in marketing and general management, having spent over 25 years building brands and businesses across the world of food. Prior to Newman's Own, Dave held marketing and leadership positions at General Mills, Atkins, Unilever, and Henry Rack Consulting Partners. Dave earned a Master's of Business Administration and a Bachelor of Science degree in Aerospace Engineering, both from the University of Michigan. He lives with his wife and three daughters in Darien, Connecticut. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thank you, David. Good to be here. It's so good to talk to you. I am such a fanboy of Newman's Own. I, I just love the brand. You have one of sort of the most original brands out there. Just It just always has been. We're talking during what looks like we're about to emerge from quarantine. And I, I wanted to ask, you know, I have to kind of ask all these quarantine questions, but how has COVID affected your business? Well, first, let me say what's happening to humanity and to families and certain markets of the economy due to COVID is just horrible. Candidly, we sell packaged food and we don't have much exposure to food service or to even out-of-home products like mints or bars. So we've done pretty well. The overall market's up double digits and we were up double digits. So we've done pretty well. But during that time, what's been so critical for Newman's Own and for most people, I think, is really making sure that we take care of our people, really making sure that we take care of our customers in these highly unusual times to the best of our ability. So the market for at-home packaged food has been pretty good over the last year or so. Yeah, well, we've seen grocery killing it in most places, not everywhere, but in most places, it's actually been a great year for grocery. And I know that, you know, it, it's funny that you you couch that as in, you know, I want to say it's horrible. It's so true. It's hard for some of us as marketers to go like, hey, we're killing it through this thing, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I can't think of another brand that needs to kill it more than you guys, given what you do. And I, I was going to say, you know, for the one person listening to this who isn't familiar with Newman's Own, talk about your business model, because it's a really interesting business model. Paul Newman really created a new business model back in 1982, and he really revolutionized the world of social enterprise by creating this organization called Newman's Own, this brand called Newman's Own, where we give all the money we make. That's 100% of the royalties and profits. It's everything we make to fight for kids who face adversity and for other good causes. So this was done in 1982 before brands were really talking about purpose, before social yeah. enterprise was really being talked about in the popular press as much. And what a wonderful, wonderful idea that Paul had to create this enterprise that would give all the money we make, again, to fight for kids who face adversity and for other good causes. So just a wonderful place to be. All of the profit is, of course, after taxes, after all the expenses, after right. we pay right. for people's salaries, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just a unique business model and one that we think has a lot of power going forward too. It's time is more relevant than ever right now. And not just because of the COVID thing I said before. It just It's just we're at a time now where you are the original purpose brands. One of the things we talk a lot about with purpose is a lot of companies have a big P purpose and a lot of companies have a little P purpose. You guys are, you, you couldn't have a bigger purpose, I think, than helping at-risk children. It's incredible. And I have to think that Paul Newman would rather not start a food business 
that wasn't doing something like that. He didn't need to do that. He didn't need to do it for his life. Talk a little bit about where it came from. There's a really fun story for where this brand kind of came from and how it first started. Paul was a man of many talents. One of his talents was making really good food. And he would say he wasn't an expert. He was an expert chef. So he picked and chose his battles, but he loved making his own salad dressing, partly because he loved the taste of his own salad dressing and partly because, you know, the salad dressings back in the 80s and even somewhat today, more than you'd think, were made with artificial preservatives, were made with some low quality ingredients that Paul just didn't want to put in his body, candidly. So he made his own salad dressing. And one day, as a lark, he invited his friend, A.E. Hodgner, to come over before the holidays, and they made up batches of his salad dressing in his basement. And then he gave it to friends and neighbors for the holidays as a holiday gift. And lo and behold, what happened is, you know, several weeks later, after they finished the dressings, they came clamoring back to his door saying, we want some more. It gave Paul the idea that, you know what, I might have something here. I might have a dressing good enough to bottle. And and so under the auspices of being the salad king of New England, and that's all his, you know, all he wanted to do was have a little boutique business in New England. He decided to go ahead and give it a go. And that's really the beginning of Newman's Own. But here's the really fun piece. Ultimately, he became convinced that he couldn't really make this work unless he put his face on the bottle, unless he mm-hmm. famously exploited himself to sell the food products. And as right. soon as he said he had to do that, as soon as he became convinced that he had to do that, he said, you know what? I can't keep the money. I've got enough. Yeah. It would be excruciatingly tacky. And he did say that that phrase, excruciatingly tacky. He also said so tacky at other times, but it would be excruciatingly tacky for me to put my face on the label and then keep the profits. So instead he said, you know what? So much better that I give it all away to good causes, to fight for kids who face adversity. What could be more rewarding than that? And that's what he did. And just good for him, good for us, good for the country, good for you know everyone that he started this yeah. business model to fight for kids who face adversity by making really good food. It's incredible. How much money has been raised since 1982? We've given over away, by we, I mean Newman's Own Foundation and Paul Newman collectively have given away over $570 million to fight for kids who face adversity and other good causes. So That's just absolutely incredible. And, you know, it's funny, like uh, now it's a lot less rare for celebrities to put their face on brands and products or really let them let the kind of public know that they're behind things, especially in the like in the spirits world. But Back then, that really wasn't done. You know, someone of his stature would not have allowed himself to. If someone had, if if P and G had gone to him and said, "Hey, we want to start this brand. It's going to be called Newman's Own. It's going to be you," he would have laughed at him. He would have said no. I agree. So, you know, from an advertising and marketing standpoint, Paul's a bit of an iconoclast at the time, and because he wasn't trained in food from a sort of industrial standpoint, and because he wasn't a marketing guy. He turned out to be a really lateral marketing guy, really brilliant at it. I can remember seeing him on talk shows and things like that, talking about the brand and the products. Talk a little bit about he would use his celebrity and his personality to sell the mission and the and the food. And he was a walking PR machine. But how did he feel about advertising, the advertising industry? Did he have any kind of bias towards it? Or was that just because he felt like he could do it? Well, I'll tell you what, Paul loved to engage consumers and people about Newman's own the brand, about the mission, about the good it does to fight for kids who face adversity and just to help the common good. 
And he loved to talk about his food too. Uh, he was very yeah. proud about his food. So he did love to engage people behind the brand and behind the mission and the food. You're right. He was a PR machine. And that's what he did when he was campaigning or, or talking about his movies. He would always bring up the food company or the interviewer right. would bring up the food company. And that's how he did it. So right. did he love to engage consumers behind the brand, the mission and the food? Absolutely. And he would always talk about it. You know, if you were just talking to him on the street, too. Yeah. Did he really love advertising per se, as as you mentioned, P&G might think about it or others? No, he really didn't. But he loved the PR and he loved engaging consumers behind it. And it's interesting, since Paul did pass away 12 years ago, how we are now going to have to evolve to engage consumers again, because Paul is no longer with us, unfortunately. And right. a brand's lifeblood is about engaging consumers. And that's something we're going to pivot back to again, David. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask how, you know, how the organization has had to deal with that early on i would imagine paul was like look we're not going to do advertising we don't need to now probably as as the business transformed into more and more categories how did he feel about having to start advertising i candidly don't know i never met paul the man he passed away a few years before i started hmm. here's yeah. what i'd tell you though we did not advertise we did not spend a significant amount of money to engage consumers i mean that's the right yeah. way to state it we didn't spend a significant amount of money to engage consumers after Paul passed. And I'd say we woke up a couple years ago, call it three years ago, and said, we've got a dusty brand here. It's a wonderful yeah. brand. It's a very powerful brand, but we've let it get dusty. We haven't told people about the great things that we do. And if you're a millennial, Paul Newman's just the guy on the pasta sauce, and you might not even know that we give all of our money to charity and to help fight for kids who face adversity. So we have to burnish the brand. We have to make it salient and relevant to today's consumers. And that's what we're pivoting to do. Yeah. Is there education around who Paul Newman was? Or is it more, are you looking at it more as what does the brand stand for now beyond Paul, as Paul is a halo or Paul is part of it, but it's a much bigger universe? How do you guys look at that? It's a work in progress because we haven't actually started. We're in the process of rebranding Newman's own or repositioning it and really thinking through yeah. that powerful messaging. So I, yeah. I would say it's not totally done yet, but for me, all the learnings we have to date and just in my heart of hearts, it's a very heavy lift to try to bring Paul back. So yeah. the more relevant thing is that we fight for kids who face adversity with our really good food. And that should be the first quick message. And you know, today, in today's world, you can really target people. You can, and when you're not interrupting people, when people are actually searching for you with Google or asking Alexa or Siri, and they want to learn more, and you know who those people are, you can curate a message that really yeah. talks about Paul and his background and what an amazing man he was and a multifaceted, multi-talented man. And to bring him to life for those people is really important. But if you're just interrupting people and talking about Newman's own at a very top level, you can't do that. Yeah. There's just too much to talk about otherwise. Right. And Paul has a backstory, and I mean a very powerful and important backstory, but he's the backstory. Yeah. He will never become, and I hate to reference this, but he's not gonna become the Colonel Sanders of KFC. Yeah. He is going to have a much yeah. more integral role for us, but he's not going to be the first thing we talk about. Yeah, interesting. You're kind of a, a, a very traditionally trained 
CPG guy. Like you've you've really come up through the really great CPG companies. How do you look at this differently given the brand, given what it is compared to some of the other things? KFC is a great example of there was a real Colonel Sanders. They have remade him relevant in a pop culture way. What have you had to unlearn? What have you what have you learned through traditional training? And then what have you had to unlearn through your traditional training for a brand like Newman's Own? <laughs> First, let me say I am honored and blessed just to be able to work on Newman's Own. I do view it as an amazing brand. I do think that all the skills I learned at the traditional CPG companies are relevant. Yeah. It's not that what I learned isn't relevant or important. It is. I do think a lot of brands have had to learn the power of purpose and how thinking about your purpose as part of the brand and as part of the company and how do you how do you make that come to life for consumers? How do you make it come to life for your customers? How do you make it come to life for your employees has been a learning for me, something that I yeah. didn't get in the old CPG world. And it's been a yeah. work in progress. We've had to develop it ourselves a little bit. We've had to work through it. Yeah. But I have come to the conclusion and we have come to the conclusion that our purpose truly is what powers Newman's own. It's what we need to talk about. That are we really proud about our really good food, that it tastes amazing, you know, that it fits with a healthy lifestyle, that it uses only high quality ingredients, that we stay away from artificial preservatives? Yes, we are very proud of that. And we do need to make sure that that comes through. But it's really the purpose and how we talk about the purpose and how that's so interwoven in the brand that's the difference going forward. And I've had to learn how to market purpose when I didn't know yeah. that coming in. Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about purpose for us. It's a belief system and a set of values that actually help you navigate everything, right? It helps you, you just said, like really high quality ingredients. Um, your distribution has to be a specific way. Everything comes out of your purpose or it's marketing BS, right? I mean, that's one of the problems that you're seeing with brands who try to do purpose marketing, but it doesn't represent anything real. It's just a point of view maybe, or it's just a you know, what we would kind of call good washing in some cases, you're a company with it. It's baked in from the very beginning. It literally lives inside the building. And so, you know, I'm, I'm interested in how purpose, you know, how does that live on for you? I'm going to say you're going into a new category. You have to make decisions that might actually cost a little bit more money, or they might actually make you values aren't values until they cost you money. How do you navigate that? How do you navigate that in the different categories that you're in? How do you navigate and let purpose help you make those decisions, your original purpose? Yeah, so we do very much, and my job is to maximize the long-term cash flow so that we can give away more and more and more every year. Yeah. So we do look at return on investment. We do make sure everything we do makes sense financially, and that is important. And as we talk to our consumers, first and foremost, and I always think consumers first, we yeah. really want to engage them behind the purpose because we've learned that if we talk about it the right way, it can be very powerful. When we sell into our customers, same thing. By talking about the purpose first, and, and some candidly care a lot less than others. Some yeah. care a lot more than others too. But we talk about the purpose and how we make a difference in the world and how important that is to consumers these days too. And by the way, our turns and our sales are doing better and better in part because of the sharpness we're getting behind our purpose messaging. So yeah. we do use it. You know, I'm not saying we exploit it, but we do use the message of purpose to help us sell in both with customers and consumers and our partners. 
all of our co-manufacturing partners, all of our yeah. third-party logistic partners to help us get the best rates possible, the best deals possible, so that we can maximize returns going to fight for kids who face adversity long-term. Yeah, I love that. You know, the one thing we know, purpose is incredibly important because it's an internal navigation. It's a compass that helps you do all of the things you do. At the same time, we also know that market penetration, awareness, and you know, broad reach is the other everything. <laughs> you know, purpose is one, is everything, and then all those things are the other everything. You cannot walk around a grocery store and walk into multiple aisles and see Newman's Own. It's everywhere, and there's not a lot of other brands that you can say that about. There are a few, but there's no brands that I think do it like you and that are as widely distributed as you. Does that determine any of your strategy of how you go into categories? You say like, hey, we don't own that aisle yet. Let's go in. We do have a both art and science approach to entering new categories. We do do the testing about the brand and does the category fit with the brand? And, you know, does it help build the brand, not just leverage the brand? I will tell you that I've worked on a lot of brands over my career. This is probably the most elastic brand within food and beverage yeah. that I've yeah. worked on. And consumers give you a ton of latitude. Yeah. What really matters for us is can we be very, very flavorful? Paul loved flavorful food. We love flavorful food. We want to make sure that it's not necessarily on the commodity side, that it is more about a recipe and delivering really flavorful food. And then yeah. we want to make sure that we have some difference through our high quality ingredients. We yeah. are very persnickety on our ingredients. We will go to the nth degree to make sure that we source and use and hopefully have a competitive advantage in our ingredients and then ultimately in our recipe. And if we can fulfill against those two, most things can fit with fighting for kids that face adversity. Yeah. Now, some fit better than others. Let's, yeah. We do know that product categories like pasta sauce and frozen pizza that are kid-friendly, but more importantly, all family-friendly, really fit with the mission of fighting for kids who face adversity. And those we think are more of a sweet spot than some other that might just be for adults or for babies or anything like that. Yeah. So we do yeah. tend to gravitate towards the all family friendly type categories. We tend to gravitate towards the wholesome, not really a consumer word, but what we mean by that, yeah. the arc of bending over time towards healthy lifestyles, healthier ingredients, not being bad yeah. for people. When you wake up the yeah. next morning, you don't feel bad because you ate too much of something with such high protein. That's where we're going. Are there any categories you can share that you just, you thought you could go into, but you just can't? You know, if we don't succeed in the category, it's usually not because of the concept. It's yeah. usually because we didn't execute well against the concept. And mm. part of that execution that we've learned painfully is we didn't support it with, whether it's advertising or some sort of promotion or consumer engagement. So right. an example, we got into yogurt and we pulled out of yogurt, the concept tested phenomenally well. The product tested phenomenally well. We couldn't make the business proposition work if we supported it with a lot of consumer engagement money. So we thought, mm. let's just put it out there in the chiller case and let's see yeah. if it sells. It didn't sell and nobody was even aware of it. So yeah. the, the problem was we didn't make people aware of it and therefore it didn't turn fast enough and that was a brutal case years ago when we got into it um, with Chobani yeah. going so well and General Mills trying yeah. to fight back. So it just didn't work because we didn't support it. We've learned that yeah. lesson. We're going to be very choiceful about where we can go, mostly driven by our lack of huge resources 
and we're going to have to be choiceful in terms of what we decide to support. It seems like there must be a tension around spending money on marketing versus putting products out into categories in order to make a difference. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. And that, maybe that's not true, but is, the, is there a tension on every dollar spent, given that every dollar spent on marketing, every dollar spent on advertising, every dollar spent on PR is a dollar that's not going to kids? Yes, and it is a greater tension here than anywhere I've ever been. So every, everywhere you are in CPG, trust me, a dollar is precious and of you course. have to make choices. But at yeah. Newman's Own, who does give all the profits we make to fight for kids who face adversity, it is so critical for us to make sure that that dollar is very well spent. And yep. the old, you know, the old saw of, I know half my advertising is wasted, I just don't know which half. Well, yeah. that's yeah. not good enough for us. So we very much make sure that all of our ideas, and ideas are what drive the business, that they test well, that not only in our hearts do we think they're right, but if we're going to do a piece of creative, for example, we will quantitatively test it and we'll make sure it's in the top 10% of the database, not just yeah. average, but we'll make sure that our stuff really works as hard as it possibly can. And that's how we're, we do it going forward. Historically, yeah. we just didn't spend because we're like, no, we can give it to charity and we're not sure it's going to work. So let's just give it to charity. Right. But then right. we woke up and said, whoa, this brand really has become too dusty. People aren't, yeah. it's not top of mind aware anymore. Most of it, it is aided aware. Everyone knows yeah. about Newman's Own, but it's not yeah. usually the first brand you think of. And that's a problem. Yeah. That's a question I was going to ask you. Everybody wants awareness. Awareness is so important, but there is a kind of awareness, and I, I should find some way to articulate this because I've asked this question before on a, a, another brand on this podcast, but awareness can also be a little bit of an anchor if the awareness is old and if the awareness is as an old or dusty brand. Is that what you mean by we're a dusty brand and we have to do it? Or, or do you mean something else? Like, What is your take on the strengths and, and weaknesses of your awareness? So we have over, over three quarters of the U.S. is aware of Newman's Own, aided aware. So if you ask yeah. them, are you aware? They'll say yes. And the associations for those people of the brand are really outstanding, David. So our yeah. top association is quality ingredients. Our next is great taste with you know two thirds of those people aware saying, yes, Newman's Own tastes great. Then we have giving to charity as right after that. And finally, we have healthy products. So just wonderful associations. Yeah. The problem is, as you mentioned, we're just not relevant in their lifestyle today, in their lives. Yeah. So if you talk to a millennial, they're like, yeah, I think my mom or dad, you know, served that when I was younger. And we're just not relevant to them today, like some other brands have become. And yeah. candidly, it's again, not because there's something fundamentally wrong. It's just we haven't done it. Yeah. The little black dress is classically, it will be here forever. It's iconic and ever young because you keep it fresh. That's all we have to do too. It's, it's basic blocking and tackling marketing that we just have to do. How do you keep it relevant? Even if you look at some of our font styles, somewhat dated, somewhat heavy, yeah. they feel like they're from the 80s a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And so how do we make it more modern, more timely, and yet keep that timeless element of it? And if you yeah. think about Paul Newman, boy, that was truly him. He was timely. He was certainly a man of his times, but he was also timeless. And people do talk about him that way. Yeah, you have to harness 
the power of what you are, not change it, but also make it relevant. You've done a number of sub-brands as well, or at least one or two sub-brands that I'm aware of. I, I believe one was Common Good. Talk a little bit about that. I, I, I'm not sure that I've seen that in a while on the shelves, but I know you do still have it. I think you're doing wine now with Common Good? We still are. I yeah. will tell you that we're not pushing Common Good. We've realized that we have limited dollars and yeah. the bigger opportunity is behind Newman's own branding. So yeah. we're pushing Newman's own in the near term. Yeah. Brands can only travel so high on the premium axis, if you will. And there is an element of super premium that we cannot access very easily with the Newman's own brand. And I do think Common Good or another brand expression could work to help us access some of the really higher price points that we're missing out on today. Because yeah. right now, Newman's own is premium. It is premium, but it's an accessible premium. We're not asking people to spend too much more than mainstream packaged goods. And with the benefits that we offer versus mainstream packaged goods, it's certainly worth it, at least for most consumers. But I yeah. do think that whether it's common good or something else, there are places, there are consumers that we can use different brand expressions to access. But boy, in the short term, till we make Newman's own sterling again in the minds of millennials and older folks, and I don't think that's going to be too hard, but it is going to take a little yeah. bit of time and money. We need to make it sterling again in their minds, and then we'll think about doing those other sub-brands in a greater. Well, I, it's interesting because you could also sub-brand Common Good as Paul, I'm making this up, but Paul Newman's Common Good, which could be a little bit clearer. I do remember Common Good as a product, and I will tell you, you had a tomato basil olive oil sauce, and I'm probably butchering the, the way you guys said it, but it's the best jarred sauce I've ever tasted in my life. As good as homemade is what that, that sauce was as good as homemade. Did, did you move any of those recipes, any of those common good recipes down into the Newman's own line? Or, did you, or are you reserving them for their next life? Yes and yes. So we did take some of the learnings from common good and apply it to both our organics pasta sauce line and what we call our classic pasta sauce line. Yeah. We upped the oil content, we reduced added sugar, we took some of the learnings on flavor development and really did apply them to the current lines. Part of what made Common Good the pasta sauce so powerful is that we used very premium organic tomatoes yeah. Yeah. and we also used a very high level of oil content. Yeah. And some people like oil content, some people don't. <laughs> There is an absolute market for that product, and we're going to find a way to access it, David. In fact, it's it's yeah. on our drawing boards right now, and we've got projects against it, but we're not yeah. ready to launch it yet. Apparently, I'm an oil content guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, like I apparently like oil content. Well, let me just say that if you have any cases left in the warehouse, I'm going to send you my address, and I will happily pay for them. Because uh, when I wasn't able to get it anymore, I was a very sad day. So, um, you know, one of the things that we love to talk about on this podcast is tone of voice. I can't think of a richer tone of voice than, than Newman's own. And it feels like when you read product descriptions, when you read the labels, it feels like Paul Newman, you're talking to Paul Newman. And I assume Hotch might have been a big part of writing that stuff as a writer. I, I might be wrong. But it just, when I first came across Newman's own popcorn, you know, eating it in a little brown bag and the, the brown bag had like, you could see like grease stains on the bag. Like that was a, an interesting thing at the time as a marketing thing. And I remember, reading the side of the bag and it said, you know, it was just this little story about like, don't get in between me and uh, popcorn or you're going to lose an arm. You know, it was this whole product copy around how good the popcorn was by Paul Newman being Paul Newman. How has that voice lived on and how do you see the voice of Newman's own 
living on because it does still feel like Newman to me, Paul Newman. Even the way you title name things, you know, Saccharuni sauce back in the day was such a Paul Newman word, you know. How, how does that live on for you guys? Yeah, so we really try to stay true to the values and make sure that the personality fits with our values. So let me talk about values first and then I'll talk a little bit more about the personality. Yeah. And it really did stem from Paul, but we've tried to advance it a little bit. It's first and foremost about being real and authentic. You know, from our ingredients to our philanthropy, we're always connected to the real world. We're not trying to be too highfalutin. We always want to be uncompromising with our food. We don't cut corners. Yeah. And here's the next one that I, we really care about is we want to be playful and optimistic. A kid at heart, if you will. I mean, we fight for kids who face adversity. Yeah. Why yeah, would we that. not be kids at heart? We might yeah. not be kids. I'm not a kid for sure, but fun is our superpower. Let's not take ourselves too seriously. Let's have some fun with our naming conventions. Let's have some fun with our packaging. Let's make sure that it's clean and simple so people get it, but let's have some fun with it as well. I do yeah. think it's important for us to be warm and uncomplicated too. I don't want to put on airs. If a simple word will work, please, let's use that. Let's not use one yeah. with too many syllables and try to impress people with a thesaurus. Right. Last but not least, and, and this was Paul, we have to be humble. Paul was not looking yeah. for accolades. He was not. He was exploiting himself to sell more food so he could help fight for, for more kids. You know, that's yeah. what he was doing. And if we can just make people smile, make kids smile, you know, that's what really matters to us. Because, David, you know, we. We don't answer to shareholders at Newman's Own. We answer to kids. So we measure success yeah. Yeah. really in belly laughs and smiling faces and making a difference in these kids' lives. So that's what I'd say about our values. We try to incorporate all of that when we talk about our personality. I'd say we don't have that, you know, if you're a brand guy or a brand person, yeah. Yeah. we probably don't have as defined as tightly as we need to, and we're in the process of doing that. But yeah. we do want to be real, simple, honest. We want to make a difference, but we want to do it with an unbridled enthusiasm, just like kids have unbridled enthusiasm. So again, it's, yeah. it's this notion of kid at heart that we really want to make sure keeps coming through. And we don't just want to be like our mainstream competition. We want to be slightly different, but not too crazy different either, because then people just won't understand it and get it. Right. No, again, your, your point earlier about accessibility is huge. It's such an accessible brand. You know, you're again, you're kind of the Papa Bear of the purpose movement. You know, I, I kind of think of you and Ben and Jerry's as kind of the two original purpose brands that were purpose before it was a defined thing. Like you just were, you know, purpose is a state of being and you just represented it, um, a space that nobody else did. And I, I've always been surprised that more brands didn't get there faster on your example. And I think more power to you guys for staying that way. And, uh, you know, I, I think of it a little bit like I think of rock bands. Like you guys are a little bit like ACDC. You never changed, you know. <laughs> ACDC has written one song, you know, and they've written one song for 50 years now. And, and, and that one song is awesome, you know. And, and you're a brand that just hasn't changed. And, and I think that's a real power. That said, you do need to stay relevant. You know, the zeitgeist right now is in your favor because people do really care about what they put in their bodies. People really do care about what companies are up to. They'll find out really fast if you're not telling the truth. And so I think your commitment to all of that is so important. It's just so important. I have one last question that I ask, and yeah. it's completely selfish because I have a cocktail on my Instagram. I have what I call a Drinkstagram account. But if this brand was a cocktail, what would it be? <laughs> I love the question, David. 
So let me give you two answers, actually. So because I actually think about us more like a red wine. So mm. I view us as a red blend wine, mm. whether it's a super Tuscan or whether it's a California blend or a Bordeaux, you know, or a Meritage blend, you know, because there's so much complexity. There's so much recipe. There's so much high quality ingredients. There's so much care and nurturing and love that goes into making those. And they have to be aged, you know, for different levels yeah. of time, depending on the producer. But it's an accessible red. We're not trying to be some fancy Bordeaux yeah. house. We're just trying to be accessible for mainstream. So that is really how I think about it. And, and you really love the flavors. You appreciate them. You share them with friends. You know, you're not trying to be too highfalutin with it. So that's how I think about it. You know, more Sonoma maybe than any yeah. other place. That's really how I think about the brand if it were a, an adult yeah. beverage. But I will tell you, if, it, if you made me choose a cocktail – and I'm probably going there more for my own selfish reasons than for <laughs> than saying it truly fits the brand. Yeah. But I'd probably say a bourbon lemonade cocktail yeah. because we make a heck of a good lemonade. And I do love bourbon. And I think the two together are wonderful. That's amazing. So, you know, bourbon lemonade cocktail. Is there a world where Newman's Own could go into spirits? Could there be a Newman's Own bourbon? You know, it's interesting. Um, we talk about that. We It's currently not in our thinking, but who knows? I mean, yeah. I think this brand again could stretch. I'd want to make sure, especially since we're fighting for kids, yeah. we're very responsible. So we would have to think very long and hard about getting into an adult category like that. Yeah. But yeah. who knows? I mean, I very much think this brand has limitless potential and we're just starting to scratch the surface. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Incredible. Well, Dave, I, I have to say, I'm so thankful that you guys are there. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge believer in, in purpose when it's powerful and real. And there's nothing more powerful and real than Newman's Own. And I really appreciate that you are leading the organization by keeping the flame alive. It's very inspiring. Thank you, David. It's, a, it's just an honor and a privilege to work with this brand. I just, I just do love it. Well, thanks for being on the show, Dave. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, David. Always a pleasure. This has been another episode of Brands in Action. Many thanks to our guest, Dave Best from Newman's Own. Today's show has been brought to you by Pony Source Brewing, who reminds you, when life gives you lemons, enjoy them. They prevent scurvy. Pony Source Brewing, drink about it. If you're digging the show, please give us a review and a like. It really does make a difference. Production help by Nathan Nichols, editing by Sarah Voorhees Wendell, executive production by Alexa Tesoriero, and music by Medium Heat. All other help from your friendly neighborhood Baldwin app.